Captain's log, Stardate 4768.3. The enterprises in orbit above a planet whose surface our sensors tell us is made almost entirely of water, a world with one continent and floral life for at least half a million years. Yet from it comes a voice, the energy of pure thought telling us something has survived here for those thousands of centuries. Since exploration and contact with alien intelligence is our primary mission, I've decided to risk the potential dangers and resume contact. Log entry out. Space, the final frontier. These are the voyages of the starship Enterprise. Its five-year mission, to explore strange new worlds, to seek out new life and new civilizations, to boldly go where no man has gone before. Captain, I've done further reading in my logs, and it appears that this planet is called Ixlaxan. It is pronounced or spelled I-X-A-L-A-N. I think that is what the locals call this place. And as well as we are finding many signs of life, such as something that your Earth people at once called dinosaurs are roaming these lands. Giant lizard creatures have appeared to be roaming freely around this land here. Hmm, yes, that is strange. Um, continue, continuing, um, scanning the planet. Yes, sir, Captain. Our sensors will keep continuing to scan the planet. In the meanwhile, I have received word from Starfleet just now that they have decided to change the Planeswalker uniqueness rule. It now reads that starting with this set, Ixlaxon, all Planeswalkers, past, present, and future, will have the super tight legendary. They will also be subject to the legend rule. The Planeswalker uniqueness rule is going away. Now, I'm not sure exactly what this means, but from what I'm guessing, that in short, everything that's true about legendary creatures will now be true about legendary Planeswalkers. So essentially what this means is I can have out Liliana of the Veil and Liliana the Last Hope out in play at the same time. So this gives great benefits to us who like to play Super Friends decks and have multiple of the same Planeswalker out. Liliana is a good example. Gideon is another good example. So that Oops All Gideon's deck is almost perfect for this. With Gideon of the Trials, Gideon Jura, Gideon Ally of Zendikar, uh, Gideon Marshall Paragon, you know, you name it, it's there. So, this is starting out with the newest Planeswalker that has been spoiled on the plane of Ixlaxon, and that is Jace Cunning Castaway. Jace Cunning Castaway is the first of its kind, a legendary Planeswalker, even though they are now eroding every planeswalker past this to now be legendary but jace cunning castaway is one generic two blue a legendary planeswalker jace 
and its abilities read plus one whenever one or more creatures you control deal da combat damage to a player this turn, draw a card, and then discard a card. Its negative two ability completely states, create a 2-2 blue illusion creature token with, when this creature becomes the target of a spell, sacrifice it. And its ultimate abil ability is one of its kind, something we have never seen in Starfleet. And that is create two tokens that are copies of Jace Cunning Castaway, except they're not legendary. So, what does this mean for us as players? In standard, this may not mean much. Um, unless there happens to be a Jace tribal deck. Uh, right now, when Ixlaxon comes out, there's only going to be two Gideons. Uh, one Lil well, two Lilianas, because if you're thinking of the Planeswalker decks as well, same with two Nisses, there's the Planeswalker decks. But I think in standard, this may not affect us that much. We'll have to wait and see, I guess. Actually, wait, no, now that Shadows of Rinistraw is going to be rotating out, there's only going to be one Jace, because the last Jace we had was Jace Unraveler of Secrets from Shadows of Rinistraw, so that is going away. I am very, very curious and almost excited to make a Super Friends EDH deck and have multiples of the same Planeswalker, or not the same Planeswalker card, but the same Planeswalker himself, like multiple Jaces, multiple Gideons, etc., etc. And like I said, this does not start until the new set, so that is pretty damn exciting. Captain, I hate to interrupt you, but it looks like we're having a problem with the main hyperdrive. Ah, uh, what does it seem to be, Scotty? It looks like we may be stuck in this planet longer than we thought. I'll keep looking and fixing out what the problem is, but our hyperdrive's gone. We don't have it. Well, that does seem to be a problem. You should try and fix it as quickly as possible. Aye, Captain, I've given her all she's got. Captain, our sensors have located some more dinosaurs on the planet. One such dinosaur has appeared to be almost a matriarch of the rest of the dinosaurs. And this dinosaur, the from what we're understanding on our comms channel, is this dinosaur is called Gishath, Sun's Avatar. And apparently it is a five generic red, green, white casting costs dinosaur with trample, vigilance, and haste. Whenever Gis, Gisat, Gishath. I know I'm completely ruining that captain. Sun's avatar deals combat damage to a player. Reveal that many cards from the top of your library. Put any number of dinosaur creature cards from among them onto the battlefield and the rest on the bottom of your library in a random order. They were claiming this can be a commander. And figuring out what this commander is seems to be a rather powerful tribal dinosaur commander. Ah, uh, yes, Spock, that's right. It does seem to be a rather effective commander in the game of EDH. Now, I am very interested to see some tribal dinosaur decks being built. Never before have we had a dinosaur commander ever be printed for us. Starfleet will be very interested in this. Thank you, Spock, for your analysis and report. Continue on scanning the sensors. Aye, Captain. Chekhov. What is the environmental report like? Chekhov reporting. It seems to be five different kind of climates on the planet. We've seen these kind of climates before, but they are shaped very interesting. 
You see, in Russia, we never had any of these kind of climates. So it's very, very interesting to see these types of atmospheres be interacted like the way they are. One of them appears to be sort of many, many glaciers of glacier fortresses. And, you know, this... This reminds me back in Russia of the Glacial Fortress Landcard, where it enters the battlefield tapped unless you control a plains or an island, and you can add a plane or island to your mana pool. Over here, the other sensors are scanning a more temperate jungle-type climate with a root-bound crag, which in Mother Russia we had some of those too. You know, when it enters the battlefield tapped unless you control a mountain or a forest. And you can add red or uh, mountain or forest to your mana pool. Very, very interesting there. And then when we look over here in sector 5.8, we have a bunch of, looks like, ships. Uh, they almost kind of look like the old galleys that Mother Russia helped design back in the day on Earth. On Earth, I mean, not Earth. Uh, the drowned catacomb. It reminds me of that magic card. Uh, it's for some reason, I just had a French accent. Um, it drowned catacomb enters the battlefield tapped unless you control an island or a swamp. And you can add island or swamp to your mana pool. pool. And then when we look in sector 7.5 we have a very mountainous region and there's not much life there but we see life as dinosaurs roaming the lands and it it's very similar to the magic card dragon skull summit where dragon skull summit enters the battlefield tapped unless you control a swamp or a mountain and it adds swamp or mountain to your mana pool and then last but not this this next this next environment in sector ten point thirty two, it is a very lush environment with with uh, with a lot of a lot of plains and forests similar to Sun Petal Grove, where it enters the battlefield tapped unless you control a forest or a plains. You add forests or plains to your mana pool. That That is the report for my environment checks, Captain. Uh, very well, check off. Very well. Um, appreciate the report. Put it down, and, you know, you just may get a promotion. Mother Russia will be so happy if I get promotion. Mm, yes, um, keep talking about Russia. Um, uh, my, my reports actually from Starfleet told me that you've never actually had any relatives from Russia... And you've never really been to Russia, and you're not really Russia. Well, they lie. I've always been from Russia. It's the whole point of my character. I mean, the whole point of me. Um, okay, okay, check off. All right. Uh, S Scotty, how are those engines coming? I'm giving her all she's got, Captain. Oh, the hyperdrive is still down. I'm hoping to get it back up soon. Ah, thank you, Scotty. Keep me appraised of any changes. Spock, what do the sensors read? Uh, sensors are reading multiple, multiple life signs of dinosaurs. This next dinosaur that is reading that appears to be very popular in the lush region that uh, Chekhov was talking about before. The locals call it a ripjaw raptor. Raptor. It is a two generic 
mana cost with two green dinosaur creature, and it has the mechanic Enrage. Whenever Ripjaw Raptor is dealt damage, draw a card. And it has the amazing flavor text of Raptors are clever enough to tear away a hard metal shell to get at the tasty morsel inside. Now, Captain, my sensors are scanning that I'm not sure if this is going to be standard playable, but it may see some play. It will definitely see some play in um, Limited there, Captain. But it is a very interesting creature, and I expect more from it. I do like the art of it where the raptor is eating or ripping off the man's breastplate, and the raptor is covered in feathers, commonly seen in your Earth's dinosaurs. Thank you for that, Spock. Keep scanning the sensors. Uh, Captain, we're getting a message on the comms. This is Lieutenant Ohora here, and an Admiral Beckett Brass wishes to speak with you. Put him through, Ohora. Are you Skyland lovers? What you be doing to our planet here? Are <laughs> my name's is Admiral Beckett Brass, and you should know I'm a legendary creature, human pirate. I cost one generic blue, black, and red, meaning I'm part of the Grixis shards. <laughs> you know, if you team up with me, other pirates you control get plus one, plus one. And at the beginning of your instep, gain control of target non-land permanent control by a player who was dealt combat damage by three or more pirates this turn. I'm typically a 3-3. Three, three. You know, I'm the type of pirate commander you wouldn't want to mess with there, laddie. I'll take your landlubbers out to sea and make you walk the plank. Cause you see, when you walk the plank on my galley, we cost double black sorcery destroy target non-merfolk creature. And that's an uncommon. You would see lots of people walking the planks on my crew if they don't follow Admiral Beckett Brass. And Captain... Let me ask you this. What's a pirate's favorite letter? If I had to guess, Admiral, it would be the letter R. R, that's where you're wrong. You may think it's R, but it's actually the C. Uhura, kill comms right now. Captain, I am getting a lot of life form readings on this planet besides the dinosaurs. It appears there are many humanoid-like creatures, and also creatures that your culture have referred to them in mythology as vampires that would like to drink the blood of their enemies or just drink blood to survive we're seeing lots and lots of those on our sensors here we're also seeing creatures that are very similar to mermaids as your earth earth culture would call them and we are seeing lots and lots of them band up and as you were just talking to Admiral Beckett Brass, a lot of them have turned to the pirating life. Now, why that is, we cannot figure out. But one of them have taken on the role of looter, a marauding looter, which is a two-colorless blue and red human pirate uncommon creature that has raid. At the beginning of your end step, if you attacked with a creature this turn, you may draw a card. If you do, discard a card. Ah, uh, yes, that's very interesting, Spock. Now, typically, that card won't see much standard play, possibly. But, 
Typically, this would be the kind of card you'd want to draft in Limited, such as Booster Draft or Sealed. I think I may have to agree with you there, Captain. My sensors will continue scanning. Scotty, I need an update on those engines. Captain, I'm not a miracle worker. I'm working as fast as I can. I'll let you know of any update when I get one. Jim, I just heard the news. I, I was looking over the sensors and the scanners and from the environmental team. It looks like these vampires, whatever, whatever they may think they are, they actually sustain their body's metabolism through blood. Now, most other creatures that we see can't sustain their life source with just drinking blood. They have to eat food, such like you and me, Jim. And by, I don't know about this green-blooded Vulcan here, but with us regular humans here, we have to eat food. But these these gain life. They um, There's this one spell that they do. It's called Sanguine Sacrament, which is an X-cost double-white instant where you gain twice X life and you put Sanguine Sacrament on the bottom of its owner's library. And what's interesting about this is as the sun sets to make way for dawn, so we turn to darkness to bring about the coming salvation. Now, I don't know anything about this world's culture here, but this is very interesting. We, we, should, we should try to grab one so I can study it some more. Bones. I don't think that's going to be possible. We can't just kidnap an alien that's against the prime directive. I'm a doctor, Jim, not one of your ensigns. I know we, we've broken the prime directive how many times, and we can't just try to get a little bit of these vampires so I can understand them better. No bones. That's completely out of the question. Now, if you want to scan the life environment some more, feel free to go ahead. Go down with the away team if you must. Well, you stuck me with... A bunch of red shirts down there, and we all know what's going to happen to them. Bones, please, stop. All right, Jim. I warned you, though. We're not going to see half of them when they come back. Ah, uh, Spock, did I ever tell you about the time when I upgraded my latest EDH decks? Ah, uh, yes. I, I may have spoken about it before, but you know what? L I'm just going to bring it up again. I, I've recently... It's funny, funny you even asked this, Spock, even though you didn't ask anything. I recently updated my Dragon's EDH deck to be more updated with the recent Commander 2017 Commander decks that have come out. My new Commander is no longer the Scion of the Ur-Dragon, it is the Ur-Dragon. And in case you forgot what the Ur-Dragon did, it has eminence. As long as the Ur-Dragon is in Command Zone or on the battlefield, other Dragon spells you cast cost one less to cast. That's very handy, Spock, I must say, because we all know Dragon cards are usually pretty expensive. This card is also a flying 10-10 Dragon Avatar, and whenever one or more Dragons you control attack, draw that many cards, then you may put a permanent card from your hand onto the battlefield. <laughs> can't wait to show this sucker out out there so just to go over quickly what dragon creatures I have in my dragon tribal deck I have a Tarker world render bladewing the risen risen Croesus Dargaz deathbringer regent destructor dragon all the dragon lords all five of them and their younger selves dragon lord servant dragon master outcast dragon speaker shaman Dramoka the eternal intet the dreamer Karthus love Karthus um, 
Koligan, the Storm's Fury, Numat, the Devastator, Ojutai, Solo Winter, Oros, the Avenger, Rith, the Awakener, Scale Lord Reckoner, Scion of the Ur-Dragon, Scourge of the Throne, Scourge of Valkis, Silimgar, the Drifting Death, Steel Hellkite, Sunscorch Regent, Teneb, the Harvester, Thunderbreak Regent, Atarva, Hellkite, and Varash, the Hunter. Now, very fun deck with 37 lands, and since it's all five colors, we've got all the Shard Tap lands in there. We've got Fetch lands, we've got lands... Uh, we got we got them all. We got them all in there. Um, I'll be sure to link the notes, the deck list in the captain's log. Um, as far as other cards we go, we got two Planeswalker, both Sarkins. Sarkin the Dragon Speaker and Sarkin the Unbroken. We've also got Sarkin's Triumph in there. Um, we've got Chromatic Lantern to help us with mana fixing. And we've got all the sieges as well. That's Frontier, Monastery, Outpost, Palace, and Citadel from Fate Reforged. That's Fate Reforged, right? Yes, yes, yes. Of course, of course. Um, I think you should check it out, Spock. It's very, very good. Now, that is not the only deck that I have built. <clears throat> I think I have mentioned this in a previous Captain's Log. My Nicobolus God EDH deck. God Pharaoh, that is. So, just to go over quickly, Nicobolus is my commander. Uh, I don't really want Nicobolus as the commander, but he is there for flavor, as many Magic players like to talk and say about it. Uh, the Planeswalkers we have, and now this is perfect with the new Planeswalker rule that's going into effect, I've got Nicobolus God Pharaoh, Nicobolus Planeswalker, Nicobolus the Deceiver, Tezzeret the Schemer, the Deceiver and the Schemer. I like that. Ugin, the Spirit Dragon. Now, you may be asking, Ugin isn't really a part of Nicobolus' team, but Nicobolus is so great and powerful, he coerced Ugin to join him. How do you like that? We've got all three gods that Nicobolus himself took control over and Amonkhet. As far as other creatures go, we got Augur of Bolus, Dragon Master Outcast, Goblin Electromancer, Nightscape Familiar, Niv Mezit the Firemind, and Thing in the Ice. We've got a shit ton of instants. We got 22 instants, card draw, and counter spells. 38 lands since this is more of a controlling deck. Still not sure if I'm going to keep 38. I may go down to 37. But 38, we are going to attempt to try for now. Uh, enchantments as they go. We have as foretold, since this is control, this is perfect. Baneful Omen, which is at the beginning of your end step, you may reveal the top card of your library. If you do, each opponent loses life equal to that card's converted mana cost. Imprison in the moon to stop any sort of creature out there, especially a opponent's commander. Mind's Dilation for stealing other spells. Phyrexian Arena for drawing more cards and Rhystic Study where did you pay the one? Because everybody loves hearing that when you're playing Commander. Yes, it is a tremendous great deck and I can't wait to play it. I'll be sure to link this in my Captain's Log for this here. Spock, what are the Sensors reading now? The Sensors are picking up what other Planeswalkers typically call 
ley lines, and these ley lines have special abilities to be able to create spells. One such spell is called Vraska's Contempt, which is a two generic double black instant exile target creature or planeswalker. You gain two life. What are your thoughts on that, Captain? Ah, Spock. It appears to be we have gotten back an instant kill spell for creatures or planeswalkers, similar to a la Hero's Downfall back in Theros Standard. Now, the downside to this where Hero's Downfall was a 3 converted mana cost card, this is now a 4 converted mana cost card, it costs 1 more. Now this will definitely see play because we need good removal, and we are losing Ruinous Path here in Standard, and to the Slaughter as well. So. This is going to become prime removal here since we're also losing Grasp of Darkness. And I can't wait to try this kill spell out. I think it is going to be very good. What other Leyline magic do your um, sensors read? They are also reading, Captain, an enchantment called Ashes of the Abhorrent, which is a one generic white enchantment and it says players can't cast spells from graveyards or activate abilities of cards in graveyards whenever a creature dies you gain one life what are your thoughts on that captain well Spock it that would have been perfect to have back when delirium was so good and while this doesn't exactly stop dredge it does stop some other decks that can cast cards from their graveyards this may have also helped stop with zombies but now we may never know, since a lot of that stuff is rotating out. I'm hoping to this that this does see some play here. Captain, my sensors are also reading something else called Settle the Wreckage, which is a two generic double white instant. And it reads, Exile all attacking creatures target player controls. That player may search his or her library for that many basic lands, book those cards onto the battlefield tapped, and then shuffle his or her library. Thoughts, Captain? While that isn't as good as, say, just a Wrath of God or a Fumigate, this is pretty interesting. While there is a huge, there's a downside to your opponent, but there is also a huge upside where you get all those basic lands. It's like a big path to exile, but for only attacking creatures. Now, say your opponent, say you're playing EDH and your opponent is on Cranko Mob Boss and decides to attack with 50 goblins you play settle the wreckage and boom they have the ability to get 50 mountains out which does really thin their deck but at least you just spared yourself from potentially 50 damage i agree captain it does appear to be good but there is a drawback to it now in standard this will be a good card but in other formats i can only see this being really played in edh other than that captain I'm not that much impressed, but it is a good card. Uh, one other card that, or one other spell the Sensors are picking up, it is called Boneyard Parlay. It is a five generic double black sorcery, exile up to five target creature cards from graveyards. An opponent separates those cards into two piles. Put all car cards from the pile of your choice onto the battlefield under your control and the rest into their owner's graveyards. Thoughts, Captain? Once again, this is EDH fodder here, and what is really good about it is it just says exile up to five target creature cards from graveyards, meaning you could choose your opponent's graveyards as well. 
And that's what makes it unique here in this sense, where it's not you're just going from your own graveyard. Now, will this see standard play? Probably not. Probably not even limited play either. But definitely EDH, and I would love to see some shenanigans happen from this. Continue scanning the planet Spock. Now, there's something else I'd like to talk about on today's Captain's Log, and that is the Twitter call-out culture bullshit. Too often, especially in today's society, and this is something unique to our society in just the past recent years, never before has anything like this ever happened, where this scarlet letter could instantly be put to your name and you be you know, stripped away of everything you have in your life because of a dumb decision you made. Never before has this happened on the big scale of things, and I'm talking about mainly in Twitter. And what I'm mainly talking about is the many, many stories you hear of the call-out culture where someone says something dumb and it just piles on from there. As you know, I did experience that, what, two months ago now, I think it was, with something stupid about Patreon. Um, of course, I didn't get it as bad as others did, but... And so the example I'm talking about here, or not the example, but other examples are where people have lost their job and, you know, they can't go outside or, you know, they have to get off social media. And this is something really unique to um, our society today where we've never really had this this connection. Humans themselves in all the years that we've been around on this planet for tens of thousands of years, we've had human civilization for, you know, what? 40, 50,000 years of human civilization, never before have we been connected like this. And you'd think everything would be hunky-dory in the utopian world of Star Trek, but in reality, it's not. Where, like I said before, you say something dumb and your whole life could be ruined. And I'm not saying that, you know, people who do say dumb stuff shouldn't get called out it's I think it is a little bit harsh that people can lose their jobs and lose everything in their life because of something dumb they've said now there's a difference if it's something dumb they've done you know or broke the law and you know did something really bad I'm not I'm, I'm not downplaying that and it's and I'm not trying to defend everyone who's ever said something done and gotten punished for it because maybe they did deserve that for saying something really, really stupid and got called out for it. It's more of the little stuff. And it does appear to happen in the Magic the Gathering community quite often, especially on Twitter, where there's... And I, I liken it back to high school. And when you think of anything, even your work environment goes back to high school where there's clicks, there's packs. And the same thing is true for social media. There's clicks, there's packs. I know I, I am definitely of that mentality because when it comes to my Twitter, I call out and weed out, weed whack out the, the people I just don't want to associate with on Twitter. You know, especially in the Magic the Gathering community, it's where it's just, you know, I don't want to deal with you. You know, we're, 
it's just completely ridiculous where too many people get too politicized and where it's like i only care about fucking magic all right i don't care about all this other political crap that you guys are doing you know great great you're standing up for what you believe for but when it gets constantly put and shoved into your face every day on your twitter timeline you're just like okay i'm done i don't care you know just mute or unfollow that that's what i do a lot i'll mute you or unfollow you where i just get sick of your crap and you just start spouting it off too much and i know i'm guilty of that too i'm not saying i'm freaking perfect i'm sure a lot of people have unfollowed or muted me because of all the shit i say not so much on my magic with zoopy twitter but on my main one where it's just i'll just start talking about a lot of crap but it's and i'm sure this is the same in every kind of you know little gaming community or just community in general where there's always those clicks and packs of people who overblow everything and it's and i'm not saying you know hey we need to stop it we need to be better because you know people are going to keep fucking doing it anyway it's more of it's tiring and i just i want to talk about it because it's it's interesting to watch because like i said before we've never in in human history have been connected like this before i can easily get online and talk to someone on the other side of the world and talk to them for hours if i wanted to we've never had that so when you get all those people in one place bullshit is bound to happen and it's stupid it's really this whole call out culture where you know people dig through your likes or people dig through what you've said before five years ago and you know just because you may have liked something even five months ago people need to realize you're a completely different person than you were five months ago you have changed you have grown you have new experiences in just five months even even if you're not doing that much you're a completely different person now i know five years ago if you were to go look at my facebook and or twitter i don't think i had twitter five years ago but if you were to go look at my facebook five years ago and read through my posts i'm not that person anymore i'm completely different than i was and people need to realize that you know members of the magic community they do grow they do change they differ you know and this whole thing is it's this call out culture is ridiculous and it's frankly annoying it it, it does turn people off where i can understand why people get uptight where you know just like the whole thought police crap because when you think about it and especially this goes through my mind on twitter too where if i post something and someone takes it the wrong way you know there could be big consequences for myself just talking about me in general and it could be for you too as well and it's almost scary in a way because it's not like I'm going to go on Twitter and just start a racist rant or, you know, just start saying a lot of crazy shit. You know, if I start doing that, then yeah, go ahead, call me out on it. But it's almost where if I may tweet an opinion that may not agree with the masses, but, I, but I'm not doing it with bad intentions, you know, oh shit, you know, I could have people coming at my door, losing my job and, you know, coming after me because I said something and it's that kind of mentality it gets scary almost where a lot of times where 
I'll want to say something on my personal Twitter, but yet it's like, oh, I better not because, you know, people will misconstrue this as they have done before. And it's really annoying in that sense. Um, and it, it is scary. It's when people talk about thought police, I mean, in a sense, they're kind of right where, you know, I'm not going, like I said, I don't want to, I expect repercussions if I go out and just start being really racist or sexist or whatever, you know, just start being a real piece of shit. Yeah, I expect to get called out, but when it's maybe expressing an opinion that's not popular or maybe having a different viewpoint on something, especially, and let's be honest, the majority of Magic the Gathering, they are of the leftist liberal side, and and I, I only say, actually I can take that back, not the majority, just from what I've seen, especially on Twitter and Reddit, on the online community, and from the LGSs I go to, they're very, very left, and I've always leaned more to the right, especially growing older, I have started leaning to the right, and you know, cause I would, I'm still a registered Democrat if we want to get into political crap. You know, it's just, I want, I'm too lazy to change it. Um, my wife is an independent. I'm a Democrat. So I, I just don't care, you know, what party I'm affiliated with. It's, I'm pretty much going to go with the person that I feel may be best fit for the job. Um, yeah, like I said, it's most, I mean, let's be honest. Most of magic is pretty left leaning. Um, I don't, doesn't bother me doesn't I don't care but it's when you keep seeing a lot of this you know just stuff being put out there when especially for magic figures you know popular magic community icons where it's like I've, I've had to stop following and bl I've blocked a lot of not blocked but muted well no I've blocked and muted popular magic community members because it's like you know i i don't want to hear from you you annoy me a lot of your opinions are dumb or that i feel they're dumb and i just i don't want to see it you know oh you know if i feel that way maybe i should debate them no i don't give a fuck all right you know it's just get out of here get i, I don't need to see this I, I go on twitter for pleasure and enjoyment and for marketing magic with Zuby. i i don't care about how you feel about trump for the eighth millionth time it gets old, you know, I mean, yeah, I, I've blocked and muted a lot of people on Twitter because it's, it's just annoying. It's just what I do. But like I said, this whole call out culture, it's scary in a sense. And it's, it does make you almost think twice of, well, shit, should I even tweet that? Cause you know, someone's going to take it the wrong way and you know, Oh, look, you lost your job. And, um, it's it's kind of scary. It's kind of scary out there sometimes. Um, but yeah, I think people should just stop it. Hit hit you with the stick. Stop it. Stop that that that's bad call out culture. It's bad call out culture. You know, stuff like that. Um, yeah, I think that's pretty much all I've got to say about that. Captain's log out. Captain, I think I've got the hyperdrive working. I think we can get out of here anytime you're ready, Captain. Great news, Scotty. Now, Spock, do you have any other analysis of this planet? Should we go down to the locals? Well, to be honest, Captain, I think we shouldn't. After hearing from Admiral Beckett Brass, 
that they're still in the pirating phase of their uh, culture that I feel like it would not be a good idea for us to mingle any further with these life forms from Ixlaxon. I say we call up the away team and bring them back. Ten four Spock. Let's call let's call the back the away team and let's get out of this planet. I have received two messages from Starfleet Command. First one is from Breakfast with Nerds. What is your preparation like for your average episode? Do you script out your show or just a basic outline? How long does it take to prep? That is more three questions in one. My preparation like for my average episode can be an including to maybe a couple hours. Such as this week's episode. I prepared for a basic outline a few days ahead of time and the way I was scripting out or doing this show is very last minute the way the captain's log was the coming out um for most of my other average episodes um i will usually have a general idea of what i want to talk about and just do it right out of basic outline i've never scripted out an entire show now there there may be some skits where I will script it out, but for an entire show, no, I've never scripted an entire show out of every episode I've done. Um, I just don't have time for that, and plus, I do a lot better freeform the more that I do this. So, and how long does it take to prep? I mean, there have been some episodes where I'm just like, oh shit, I need to do an episode, and I have no idea what I'm going to talk about, and I'll just be like, think of one quick topic. Okay, we're going to make this an episode. Boom. So... It usually doesn't take me long to prep, and yeah, I just do a basic outline. So, I have another message from Hitman XZ Nalar asking, What are your thoughts on the new rules coming from Ixlaxon and the BNR announcement? Um, as I've mentioned before earlier in the episode, I'm really interested in the new Planeswalker rule, and I can't wait to see that play out, especially in EDH. I'm all for it. Um, I, I'm, I'm all for it. I'm, I'm down with it. Definitely down. And the BNR announcement, I'm glad there have been no changes to the formats that I play. Vintage, so they're, they restricted some of the shops and mentor, the shops and mentor decks pieces. I'm okay with that. You know, I don't play vintage at all. I've only played a few games of vintage just for fun, just online on Xmage. And, you know, good. You know, shake it up. Shake it up. Shake it up. Oh, 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 shake it up, shake it up, oh, 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 shake it up, shake it up, oh, 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 that's my thoughts on it. Just want to thank everyone from Starfleet Command sending me those questions. You can always ask me directly the Captain's Log more questions if you wish. Captain's Log Stardate 4768.5 the Enterprise has left the orbit of Ixlaxon, and after learning of m its many environments and its life forms, we have decided not to engage any further. They are not ready to be a part of Starfleet, and it would be against the Prime Directive should we go any further. If you wish to hear more of these Captain's Logs, you can reach me at magicwazubi.com, which is now pointing to the Facebook page at facebook.com slash magicwazubi or on twitter at magicwazubi mtgzubi at gmail.com 
Captain's Log is available on iTunes, Google Play, Stitcher, and TuneIn Radio. You can find us every Tuesday night at 9.30 p.m. Eastern on PodcastRadioNetwork.net. And we're also on the Gunna Geek Network at GunnaGeek.com. I hope you enjoy listening to The Magic Wazubi Captain's Log. Captain out.